Well, open up your Bibles this morning to Isaiah chapter 28 as we move along in our study through the prophet Isaiah. And uh, once again, let's pray and ask God to bless our time in his word. Lord God, thank you so much for your word. And I pray, Lord, that we would never become so accustomed to it that we would just neglect it or take advantage of it in such a way as, Lord, not to listen to it. So I pray, Lord, that you would put a conviction on our hearts this morning, that we would continue to listen to your word, that we would continue to seek after you through your word. And so we pray that you would speak to us now through the prophet Isaiah, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, good morning, and the title of this morning's message is Listening to the Judgment of God. Uh, one of, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I enjoy reading, I love reading books of, about history, and the reason that I like them so much is because I always try to find lessons from events or people in the past. A lot of times I just learn, when I, especially when I read of ancient history, which is one of my more, you know, I really like to read before the 1700s, and one of the things that I've learned as I read about those times is that I really appreciate what I have, the era in world history that I live in, because some of the things that you can read about in ancient history is just not very good. You know, we live in a very blessed time, a very blessed culture, especially in relation to convenience. So it's one of the things that I, I just really, I get an appreciation of, of life and for what I have. One of the things that I also learn is how not to behave. You know, you read about ancient events or people's lives and things that they do wrong, and you learn from them, I would hope, and hopefully not repeat those things that have been done in the past. And these books in the past are like prophets, if you think about it. They're telling you about events that have happened or things that can happen if you act in certain ways. And as we've been going through the prophet Isaiah, I, I look at Isaiah is similar, obviously in a much grander scale, to history books, because Isaiah is a history book, and it's a prophetic book. He's describing events and characteristics and people that we can learn from. And really, that's what he has been doing throughout all 28 chapters. He's been speaking to Judah, the southern tribe, in hopes that they will learn and listen from what's going to be happening to their neighbors to the north, which are their brothers, Israel, and certain kings, and just learning from the past. And so this morning, as we look at Isaiah chapter 28, again, he's going to teach Judah a lesson through a prophecy, prophecy of some other people. So let's look at that now, just so you get an idea of what's going on. We're going to read verses just 1 through 13, and then come back and look at the lesson that Isaiah is trying to teach his readers or his hearers, Judah. And if they listen carefully, is, is what really he's hoping, is if they listen carefully to avoid these mistakes. And you and me as well, if we listen carefully, we too can learn valuable lessons from the prophet's writings and see how we too are to act. So let's read that now. So here's the prophecy that Isaiah writes. He says, Woe! to the proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim, and to the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is at the head 
of the fertile valley, of those who are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord has a strong and mighty agent as a storm of hail, a tempest of destruction, like a storm of mighty overflowing waters. He has cast it down to the earth with his hand. The proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim is trodden underfoot, and the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is at the head of the fertile valley, will be like the first ripe fig prior to summer, which one sees, and as soon as it is in his hand, he swallows it. In that day, the Lord of hosts will become a beautiful crown and a glorious diadem to the remnant of his people, a spirit of justice for him who sits in judgment, a strength to those who repel the onslaught at the gate. And these also reel with wine and stagger from strong drink. The priests and the prophets reel with strong drink. They are confused by wine. They stagger from strong drink. They reel while having visions. They totter when rendering judgment. For all the tables are full of filthy vomit without a single clean place. To whom would he teach knowledge? And to whom would he interpret the message? Those just weaned from milk? Those just taken from the breast? For he says, order on order, order on order, line on line, line on line, a little here, a little there. Instead, he will speak to the people through stammering lips and a foreign tongue. He who said to them, here is rest, give rest to the weary, and here is repose, but they would not listen. So the word of the Lord to them will be order on order, order on order, line on line, line on line, a little here, a little there, that they may go and stumble backward, be broken, snared, and taken captive. So this is the section that we're going to look at this morning. And again, remember, Isaiah is teaching Judah about a prophecy that is going to happen to the neighbors to the north, which is Israel. And so what is he saying? So let's go back and look at this and try to gain a little bit of understanding of what the prophet says in this prophecy, and then obviously find some application for you and me this morning. So, Isaiah begins by saying that there's a coming judgment of God in verse 1. He gives a woe, and it's really an indication that something bad is going to happen. It's something sorrowful. It's a warning. And the prophet is calling attention to his hearers, Judah, again, because he wants them to learn. He wants them to understand that something is going to happen, and will you learn from this? That's his hope. And so what is this woe that is coming? Well, a judgment is coming to the nation of Israel. And that's what in verse 1 he says, Woe to the proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim. And Ephraim was one of the tribes in the north. And so he's saying there is a judgment coming on Ephraim, which is really symbolic of all of Israel at the time. And so this judgment is coming. And in particular, as we'll see, Ephraim's leadership is being called out for, which we'll see in a few moments, for what they have been doing. And so this once proud people, as he's describing here in a very poetic way, is going to be brought down and humbled. That's why he says this, these, uh, the proud crown of drunkards of Ephraim and to the fading flower of its glorious beauty. So this one thing that was beautiful, very prideful, is going to be brought down and be humbled. And it's worthy to note in verse 2 that this judgment is coming from God himself. Look at how Isaiah describes this judgment. He says, 
Behold, the Lord. So it's God who has this judgment. God has a strong and mighty agent. A storm of hail, excuse me, as a storm of hail, a tempest of destruction, like a storm of mighty overflowing waters. He has cast it down to the earth with his hand. So God is fully aware of the Assyrian army because that's who he's talking about. This is who God is going to use to judge the nation of Israel. And it's from God's own very hand. And it shows us that God is in control of human history. God knows what is going to happen. And God even sends judgment to, again, to wake his people up. And so this is what is happening here. Now, I forgot to mention just by way of introduction that over the last few weeks, we've been looking about four or five chapters where Isaiah has been talking about the future. And so verse chapter 20 just brings it back down to what's going on at the time. And remember I said in the very beginning, if you remember that one of the hard things about Isaiah, one of the many hard things, is it's not written in chronological order. And even in some chapters, it's not chronological. It seems like it's all over the place. So it's really hard to sometimes pin down what exactly he's talking about. And so sometimes we just speak in generalities, but we get the point. But here in chapter 20, he's specifically talking to the northern tribes of Israel. And he's saying there's a coming destruction, and it's coming from God's own hand. God is the one who's going to send the Assyrian nation in to judge Israel. So this is what's happening here. Judgment is coming from God's own hand. God is the one sending it on Israel. So what's going to happen? That's where verses 3 and 4 come in about the nation, or about this judgment. So let's look at it. Again, this proud crown of drunkards of Ephraim, that's God's description of the leadership in Israel at the time, proud drunkards of Ephraim. It's going to be trodden underfoot, and the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is at its head of the fertile valley, will be like a ripe fig prior to summer, which one sees, and as soon as it is in his hand, he swallows it. So the picture is that the Assyrian destruction coming on Israel is going to be swift, and it's going to be destructive. It's going to be quick. This is what Isaiah is saying to telling Judah about Israel. And he's hoping that Judah will get the picture and learn from hearing about this. Again, like I started, sometimes when I read historical books, I, I learn something about events, about how people acted or behaved. And so even when we read scripture and we read about things in the past, you might be thinking, why are we reading about something in the past? I want to know about today. Well, sometimes it's just to learn from the mistakes of other people. A matter of fact, in your bulletin, I had that quote, if you noticed, under the sermon. And this, let me just read this by, to demonstrate what I'm talking about. It says, and now this was Paul speaking to the Corinthian church about things that had happened in the past. He says, now these things happened to them as an example. And they were written for our instructions upon whom the ends of the ages has come. So these things that we read about in Scripture, even though they're past historical events, just like Paul told the Corinthians, these things can happen, they've happened, so, and they're examples for us, and that's why we read about them, so that we too can learn from them. And so again, Isaiah is telling Judah this so that they will learn. And so we hope that they do learn, and we're going to see that in just a moment here, going back to our text now. So, will they listen? Well, the reality is, and you and I can know this too as well, and even in our own lives, that sometimes we listen to the Word of God, right? 
and sometimes we don't. And even in our world, sometimes people listen to warnings, and sometimes people don't. And so in verses 5 and 6, God, or Isaiah is explaining that, hey, even in judgment, some people listen, some people learn, and that's what's described in verses 5 and 6. So look at what he says. So after he says there's going to be this destruction, it's going to be swift. He says this, In that day, meaning after the day of destruction, the Lord of hosts will become a beautiful crown, a glorious diadem to the remnant of his people, a spirit of justice for him who sits in judgment, a strength to those who repel the onslaught at the gate. So Isaiah is always speaking about this remnant. Throughout the book of Isaiah, you will always hear this, that there is a remnant even in the midst of the nation of Israel. God saves a few people, and a few people actually learn and listen to the word of God. Again, even in our own world, the churches around our world are not, not everybody is at church this morning. As a matter of fact, there's probably more people outside of church not going to church than there are in church. There's always a remnant. Even in judgment, there's a remnant. And this is what Isaiah is saying, that after harsh judgment, some people finally actually come to the reality to believing in God. Maybe in our own lives, it took something hard to happen in our lives for our eyes to finally open up and see the beauty of God. And sometimes we need to go through that so that we can realize how great and how wonderful the Lord is. And again, some people learn from their mistakes. Some people learn from the mistakes of others. Maybe you have children like that, right? You might, they might learn from the mistakes of their brother and sisters, their older brother and sisters, or you might hope that they do, so that they don't have to experience themselves. Again, like I said in history books, I don't have to go through all those things that the people did in history books to learn from them. Hopefully I could learn from their mistakes. And the same thing is true here. This is what Isaiah is saying, that even after judgment, people will learn. Some people will learn from the mistakes of others, and some people will have to go the hard way, right? And have to go through hard times themselves before they actually learn the lesson. But both types of those people, those that learn from other people's mistakes and those that learn by going through the hard times, Isaiah is saying here, both types of people will eventually see the Lord as beautiful and glorious. And that's what he's saying here. They are the ones that will act with justice. And they are the ones who will be given strength in the long run. So just like there's those that listen, verses 7 through 12 describes the people that don't listen. And look at what it says about them. And these also, and reel with wine and stagger from strong drink, the priests and the prophet reel with strong drink. So in contrast to those who learn, this following section describes those who don't learn, and it's going to give us the reason for their not listening. And from the very beginning, he talks about them being drunk with strong drink. Now, whether he's just talking about them indulging in sinfulness or literally being drunk, we do not know. But the point is clear that they are not following the Lord and they are not listening to him, as we will see. Right? He describes the priest and prophet as reeling with strong drink. They're confused by wine or they can just be confused by their sinful lifestyle. They stagger from strong drink. So you, most of us, have, I'm sure, have probably seen somebody that is drunk. 
trying to walk a straight line or just walk in general. So that's a picture he's giving of his own priest and prophet. People that are supposed to be leading and instructing his people are so drunk, either from physical wine or by just self-indulgence, that they're staggering. They're not stable, is his point. People that are engaged in sin are not stable in their thinking and the ways of the Lord. And they reel, it says, continue on in verse 7, they reel while having visions, and they totter when they render judgment. And they're not discerning, is what they're saying. They can't render judgment because they're so filled with wine. They're saying the wrong things. They're doing the wrong things. And so this is the way he's describing people who don't listen to God's judgment. And he goes on, he says, and he gives you a, a very vivid description in verse 8 of the conclusion of such people. He says, for all the tables are full of filthy vomit without a single clean place. The end result, he's saying here, is that their party will end like a drunkard's party with the table of vomit. It will be disgusting end. So, these are the people that don't listen to God. And they continue on, and they, and they even mock God's prophets. Look at verse 9, because in verse 9, this is the priest and the prophets speaking to those who would instruct them. He says this, To whom would he teach knowledge? And to whom would he interpret the message? Those just weaned from milk, those just taken from the breast, for he says, order on order, order on order, line on line, a little here and a little there. What's going on here is that the, the priests and prophets are saying, who is this other prophet speaking to us like we're children? Who would he speak to? Why does he speak to us in such a way? Like they are so elevated above the prophets of God that they don't need to listen to them. Again, there's like, who are you speaking to us like this? They're so prideful and so sinful that they refuse to listen to the word of God, even though in Israel they are priests and prophets of God. And if you study the Old Testament and have read through the Old Testament, you will see that where God over and over again sends prophets to his people, even to kings and priests, and they refuse to listen to them. And that's what's happening here at verses 9 and 10. They refuse to listen to him. So Isaiah says in verse 11, now speaking for God, he says, Indeed, he will speak to this people through stammering lips and a foreign tongue. So since they refuse to listen to the simple word of God, as they had described it in the earlier verses, the Lord's going to instruct them through the school of hard knocks. In verse 11, he says that he is going to instruct them with stammering lips and a foreign tongue. Speaking of that foreign invader, who's coming down, the Assyrians. They are the ones that are going to teach Israel a lesson. Since you won't listen to God's simple word, God is going to send judgment on them. That's what Isaiah is telling them. You don't want to listen to God, that's fine. He's going to send a foreign invader, and now you're going to listen to him. Again, you're going to have to learn the hard way. In verse 12, he says, since you won't listen, explains it, why he's doing that. Again, he says, he who said to them, here is rest, give rest to the weary. So this is God speaking to his people. Here's rest. I'm giving you rest. And you guys are supposed to be teaching people how to have rest, but you're not. 
And why aren't they? They just would not listen. Verse 12 says they wouldn't listen to God and they wouldn't teach God's precepts. Therefore, God is going to send judgment on them. And that's what verse 13 says. He says, so the word of the Lord to them will be, since you didn't listen, but he plays those words that they explained to him back to them by saying, order on order, order on order, line on line, line on line, a little here and a little there, that they may go and stumble backward, be broken, snared, and taken captive. God will fulfill every word of judgment, he's saying, the ones that you guys are mocking, this order on order and line by line, he's going to fulfill every detail of his word on you because you wouldn't listen. God clearly said in the past to the nation of Israel, even before they went to the promised land, that this would happen if they did not listen. Turn with me for, uh, and give you proof of this to the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, look at verses 40. Let's start at verse 47. So in Deuteronomy 28, this is when Moses was around. So hundreds of years before the time of Isaiah, God is telling Moses, you know what, Moses, you're going to get into this promised land eventually, and here are my rules. If you do this, I'm going to bless you. But if you do this, I'm going to discipline you. And so Israel very well knew what the discipline was going to be, order by order, line by line, a little here, a little there. Isaiah is saying, you know what? You guys knew about this judgment. It's not just this mean God of the Old Testament judging his people. No, he's given them a very long time to repent. He sent prophets to them over and over and over again, but they would not listen. And at some point, the Lord says, it's over. It's time for judgment. And here's the prophecy of that in Deuteronomy chapter 28. This is, there's a lot to read here, but we're just going to look at this section just so you get an idea of what he's talking about. In Deuteronomy 28, look at verse 47. This is what God says to Moses to speak to Israel. He says, because you did not serve the Lord. This is a prophecy about what's going to happen to Israel. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and a glad heart for the abundance of all things. And this is what Israel has experienced up to this point in Isaiah. Therefore, you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you. And we read that God's going to send who? The Assyrians. In hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, in lack of all things, and he will put you in a, an iron yoke on your neck until he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar, from the end of the earth, as the eagle swoops down, a nation whose language you will not understand. Again, this is that foreign tongue that Isaiah talks about a nation of fierce countenance who will have no respect for the old nor show favor for, to the young. Moreover, it shall eat the offspring of your herd and the produce of your ground until you are destroyed, who also leaves you no grain, new wine or oil, not the increase of your herd or the young of your flock until they have caused you to perish. So they're going to come in and they're going to wipe out your land. God's predicting this is going to happen. And why? Because they refused to worship the Lord their God in joy and gladness. And look at verse 52. And it shall besiege you in your towns until your high and fortified walls in which you trusted come down throughout your land. And it shall besiege you in all your town throughout your land, which the Lord your God 
has given you. And so he's going to destroy them. He's going to take them off in judgment. Again, this is what God's word had said, order by order, line by line. And Isaiah is saying, you guys don't want to listen to the simple word of God? Well, the simple word of God is going to come and judge you line by line, order by order, a little here and a little there. And this is exactly what happens to the northern tribes of Israel. And so I want to just read to you a little bit about that. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 17. So this is the actual historical event of Isaiah's prophecy coming to pass. Look at 2 Kings chapter 17. And this is the last king of the northern tribes of Israel. His name is Hosea or Hosea. And it says, 2 Kings 17 verse 1. In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, Hosea, the son of Eli, became, Elah became king of Israel and Samaria and reigned nine years. So in the northern tribe, Hosea is reigning, and in the southern is Ahaz. And we'll learn about him later as we go through Isaiah. And so look at what it says in verse two, verse 2 about the king of the north. He did evil inside of the Lord. Only not as the king of Israel who were before him, Shalmanazar, king of Assyria, came up against him, and Hosea became his servant and paid tribute. So he tried to hold off the Assyrian attack by just paying tribute to them. Like, okay, we'll just pay you guys, and you guys don't totally defeat us. But look what happens. But the king of Assyria found conspiracy in Hosea, who had sent messengers to the king of Egypt. And he had offered him no tribute to the king of Assyria. And as he had done year by year, so the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Then the king of Assyria invaded the whole land and went up to Samaria and besieged it three years. Little by little is coming to pass here. And in the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria and carried Israel away into exile to Assyria and settled them in Hala and Habor, and the river of Gozan, and in the city of the Medes. So the nation of Israel, the northern tribes, were taken into captivity. This is what Isaiah said was going to happen. This is what God told Moses was going to happen if Israel can, would get into the land and not obey the Lord. And to this day, those ten tribes are considered the lost tribes of Israel because they've never come back from captivity. And then turn with me, just look at verse 18 of chapter 17 in 2 Kings. Again, you could read all this because it then explains why exactly this happened. But I think verse 18 sums it up. He says, so the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his sight, meaning they went into captivity. None was left except the tribe of Judah, who Isaiah is speaking to, the southern tribes of Judah. Like, hey, your northern brothers are all going to be taken captivity, and they were. And hopefully, Judah, you will listen and if you know the history of the nation of Israel, Judah eventually is also taken into captivity by the king of Babylon. They listen for a while, but then eventually they stop listening to the Lord God and stop listening to the prophets. And so God judges them. And it wasn't until when? 1948 that the nation of Israel was again considered a nation. God judged his people pretty harshly for their disobedience. So that's the history that we see here in Isaiah chapter 28. And so obviously, 
just like I started, what can we learn from reading about history? Because there are some lessons for each and every one of us this morning to take for ourselves. And so I asked this question, how can we listen to the judgment of God? Because we've seen the judgment of God, and each and every one of us this morning will have a natural response to this. Well, how should we listen to it? Because we just heard it read. Well, number one, there's three things I think that can happen here this morning. One, we should listen for the, warning, for the Lord's warning in our own lives. Right? When we're out and about and living our life, God is warning us when we start to stray away. Because you're his child, he will warn you. Just like all of us who have children, we've warned them when they start to get into danger, when they start to go the wrong way, when they start to make the wrong decisions. We warn them. They don't always listen. Sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Just like us when we were children, right? We didn't always listen to mom and dad. And here God issues judgment. And God sends out warnings to us. So what we can take away from that this morning is, are you listening for the warnings of God in your own life? Maybe as you, again, as you're living your life and you stray away a little bit, or you're doing something that you shouldn't be involved in, or you're thinking ways that you shouldn't think, are you listening to those warnings? So that's number one. We should be listening for those. Number two, we should return when we are warned. So when you hear those warnings in your life, just like Israel They didn't return, though, but you should return, and I should return. When we hear God's warning, when we hear, you know, feel the Holy Spirit speaking to us, hey, Robert, don't do that, don't go there, you shouldn't think that way, whatever the case may be, do you, and I listen to that, I need to return back to the Lord, say, you're right, Lord, I'm back, I don't know what I was doing over there, I don't know why I was thinking that, I'm back, I'm right here, I'm good. You know, I think of my own children when we Warned them, hey, don't go over there, don't go too close to the gate, you know, there's a, maybe a dangerous dog over there, and they, they come back and listen, but, you know, sometimes they don't listen, and it takes a dog jumping on the fence to scare them to get them to come back, and so we want to avoid that in our own personal lives. Be careful out there. This world is dangerous world. This world is hostile towards God. This world is hostile towards our faith, and we need to return to the Lord when we hear Him warning. What happens when we actually don't listen to God and we sin against him? Does that mean it's over, that we're going to be judged like the nation of Israel, that we're going to be taken into captivity individually? Well, I can't answer that question completely what's going to happen, because, but if you're his child, you're going to repent. Repent when you've disobeyed that warning. So when you sin against God, and I'm not saying if, I'm saying when you do, because each and every one of us is going to sin against God. And when we do, and we hear God telling us what we did was wrong, then we need to repent. These stories in Isaiah's prophecy, the problem is is that the nations that are judged never repent. What was the Israel's response to Isaiah's warning? Don't speak to us like I'm a little kid. Who do you think you're talking to? I don't need that warning. And so when you hear God's word spoken to you, I hope that you don't say that in your heart. I don't need you telling me about God's word. I know how to do things right. I can go over here and not get burned. But when we do get burned, if you're God's child, you will return. You will repent when you disobey that warning. And that's a good thing. All throughout the Old Testament, God's 
goal for his people were that they would turn and come back to him. And when they didn't, he had to allow them to be judged because that was his word of prophecy, as we read in Deuteronomy. So how can we listen to the judgment of God? Listen for the Lord's warnings, return when you are warned, and repent when you disobey that warning. Because God is a merciful God, and He will forgive us. What's the result of listening to the judgment of God? Well, for the first time, maybe if you remember in your own life, the first time that you gave your life to God, because you listen to the judgment of God and you say, you know, I'm going to give my life to the Lord. Well, the result is that, of that is that you were renewed. You were renewed. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it talks about this. And I want to read that to you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this. Therefore, if any was, anyone is in Christ, so this is a result of listening to God's judgment, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. When you gave your life to the Lord, when you've repented of your old life and said, Lord, I trust in you as Lord and Savior, he made you a new creation. Those old things have passed away. And so the result of listening to the judgment of God is that you will be renewed. Now, once you are renewed, what happens? Every time we sin and we repent, do we become renewed? A new creature all over again? No. First John 1 John 1.9 helps us out with understanding what happens. And the Apostle John wrote this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when you sin against God and you repent, he restores you. He cleans you up. Again, just like your child when they mess up, you don't totally disown them, right? No, you clean them up. You tell them what they did was wrong and you put them back out there and tell them to get out there and, and do the right thing again. That's what we do. God does the same thing. He forgives us. He cleanses us from our unrighteousness. He forgives us. And again, the point is there is you have to repent. If you never repent, then God will not forgive you. That's part of the deal. So the result of listening to that judgment of God is first thing, is you are totally renewed. You are a new creation in Christ. Secondly, you will be restored. And then finally, what's the result of not listening to the judgment of God? Well, it's the opposite of all that we've talked about this morning. You will not be renewed, and you will not be restored. As a matter of fact, you will face the same judgment of the nation of Israel. You will be taken off into captivity and tortured for all eternity in the place called the lake of fire, as described in the book of Revelation. The result of not listening to the judgment of God is you will suffer the Lord's judgment. That's the judgment for you. You've refused God's hand of mercy. You've refused, God, you've refused God's gift of mercy and forgiveness. Therefore, this is what is going to take place. Again, Moses laid it out in the book of Deuteronomy for Israel. If you do this, there's blessings. But if you do this, there's cursings. And the same thing is true for each and every one of us. If we accept Christ, blessings. If we refuse Christ, cursings. And so those are the lessons that we could learn this morning. And I pray this morning that you will listen to the judgment of God and be restored or renewed. That you would not let God's judgment fall on you this morning. Let's pray. 
Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. And I pray that we, each and every one of us this morning, would listen to your word, your word of judgment, that we would see it as warnings of mercy from a God who loves us, from a God who desires that all men would repent and come to know him. And we thank you for that warning. Just as a loving parent would warn their child of danger, you too warn each and every person of the dangers in this life and the dangers of living away from you. And I pray this morning that each and every one of us would hear that, that we would hear your warnings, that we would stay close to you, that we would turn to you. And when we fail and fall, that we would repent and ask for your forgiveness. And I pray, Lord, this morning that if there is anybody here who has never done that, has never been renewed, that they would come forward this morning and let us pray with them for that. And if there's any of us, Lord, who have fallen away, that we too would run to you and ask for your forgiveness. Help us to do that this day, Lord. And for the rest of us, may we always have our eyes and ears open in this dangerous world and stay close to you so that we might receive your blessings and be your children as we await for your return. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.